Tuesday morning blitz. It is I, Jackson Roberts. It is he, Kale Clinton, and he is very sunburned from going to the New York Jets game today. Kale, do you have aloe nearby? Aloe, aloe's an August thing. I've got to figure out what I'm doing with this. Uh, <laughs> I, I have, I have the voice perfect for podcasting. I am on like four hours of sleep. Uh, sunburned to bits, spent two hours riding trains today, getting back uh, into the city from the Giants game. Giants game. Oh, my. I didn't even go to the Giants game. Was it Jets Pats? Uh, wonderful time. Let's get into it. We'll get into it in our uh, in our takeaways to top off the show. But, man, I've got I've got opinions, Jackson. I would love to hear all your opinions, and I think – that what today really taught us there was some bad football being played to be honest with you but it also highlighted that there are really only three good teams in this league right now the eagles absolutely demolishing the steelers today pretty much like we all expected uh the philly sports fans continue on their epic bender although they did lose the second game of the world series to the astros the bills Bit of a shaky second half, but really dominated the Packers in the first half and win comfortably on Sunday night football. And the idle Chiefs coming off a drubbing last week of the 49ers, who looked pretty good today. So that's just kind of where we're at. We've got three teams that are relevant. We've got a few teams underneath them that have some question marks. A couple AFC North teams, injuries plaguing them both. And that's about it. It's a... It's the most cut and dry I've ever seen it at this point in the season where there's such a clear, small top tier. Buffalo is such a buzz. So it's, it's really, I get it's Green Bay. And I get they've lost to both New York teams and the Commanders, whatever. They, that first half looked automatic at will. Now, it's the first time I've also seen them a little vulnerable. You might remember a certain uh, windswept week 13 game in 2021 uh, where they let up some crucial big runs. <laughs> uh, that was a major thing for them. Uh, and it's not quite a week this down. Uh, they had, I think, both their starting linebackers go down with the parent injuries at one point. Stefan Diggs disappeared into the medical tent because I think he bit his tongue or something. It's a weird, weird little thing. Uh, but Aaron Jones, 20 carries for 143. A.J. Dillon, who uh, has been very absent this year, picking up an additional 27-yarder, he had 10 carries for 54, just really allowing some big runs. Maybe we'll see some of that come into play, but you can't give up 5.7 yards per carry as the Buffalo Bills. That Eagles team... It's the first time I've really experienced them with their offense on full tilt, it feels like. Like everything clicking all at once. The emergence of uh, emergence uh, <laughs> of one A.J. Brown. For the yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't think he was very good before today. Really uh, showed something. It, it, 
you show how high the ceiling gets raised. And even even Kansas City, who had their feet up this weekend on a bye, like it shows you how good they are when they can take on super risky trades like the Canarius Tony trade, which mm-hmm. is just the biggest buy low on a former round one prospect you can make. Yeah, but buy low, but you're still paying. Like you're, that was that's that what, was an impressive pay. You're buying him at his absolute lowest and still chipping in. A third and a sixth. That third probably goes down because he won't play the snaps. Uh, but like an elite gadget talent when used right. I just don't think you have the touches in New York. But it should like those are the moves you make when you contend and you're already so saturated everywhere else. Those that those are the you know difference makers. Those are the edge setters. Those are the guys that like really push you to that next level. And there's 28 other teams in the NFL, 29 other teams in the NFL can't do what these three teams are doing. And there's not even even a close fourth. No. And especially, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Jamar Chase right now. The the Bengals being unwilling to set a timeline on his injury because they quite literally think that he is built different and therefore able to recover faster than the average human being. Uh, But that's kind of the one wild card in all this. The only offense that I think can hang with these other three at their most explosive. But other than that, I mean, it is, it is such a big separation. And I love just to retouch on the Tony trade. I, I think it's, it's a risky play, but it's also like the ultimate move for the chiefs. Cause it, it adds that one dimension to their offense that they always had with Tyreek Hill and maybe haven't had quite so much this year, which is that gadget out on the edge, get the guy a touch and see what he can make of it type thing. I mean, they always try that stuff with Nicole Hardman, but we know Nicole Hardman's not Tyree kill or even Kadarius Tony. So I know it's like, it's giving up resources, but at the same time, you're never going to find somebody in the third round who at his peak is what Kadarius Tony can be if he's ever out on the field. So it's a risk obviously, but it's a risk that I think in the chief's case is worth taking, especially when you know, you're in that upper echelon and have a chance to win one this year. And even in those third rounds, like those kind of gadget guys, those like high upside maximizers that are really going to serve as a wide receiver four or five, those are the guys you're looking for with those picks anyway. Like just burner guys, just athletes, just intangibles that can be used situationally, whatever. That's what you use the pick on anyway. So if you see it that way, you got them at value and threw in a six to get them. Like, I don't see what they had to do. Weird for the Giants uh, to be trading away a piece uh, when you're at the time six and one, but seemed like he just never had any sort of fit in that offense. The Giants could have used something today at the wide receiver position. Don't really have uh, it blocked out on our show schedule, so I guess we can just dive into that. Longdale was in clamps by Tariq Willen. Absolutely brutal. Pretty big. Transcended, not transcended. A uh, pretty big debut. Just, just putting a little box, rattle in the cage. There was nothing there. It's I'm impressed with the Giants' ground game, and there were real good stretches of drives where they just showed a ton of resiliency. Like there were a couple drives in there where it's just like it's fight, it's dog. But you look at this team right now. This is, you know, Bellinger going down by getting like punched in the eye. Uh, Sterling Shepard goes down non-contact on your own turf. 
uh, like all these terrible, terrible injuries. I, I and I get one bodies. It's the same deal with uh, the Jets and Elijah Moore, who we'll get to. But Tony, uh, Kadarius Tony had thirty nine receptions his first year and hadn't touched the ball this season. He had two bat. He had two receptions on three targets for zero yards with the Giants in twenty twenty two. He caught the ball and took a knee and did nothing. Like <laughs> Yikes. I get, um, I get you need bodies, but it's it's rough. It is rough. The New York Giants today roll into Seattle at six and one and pick up a whole three and a half yards per play on offense. Sixty four plays run, just two hundred and twenty five yards. You complimented their ground game, but they ran it twenty eight times for two point eight yards per carry. And if not for the Tyler Lockett fumble, would have been deprived of their one rushing touchdown. It was really like, I know the Giants showed some resolve in that game, and particularly the defense did a really nice job of continuing to get the ball back. But that game was why why the Giants were still underdogs every week, why they still had negative DVOA, why nobody was yet counting them as a contender. I know they want their respect, and I feel like we've been giving it to them. But And obviously, you'll take 6-2 and two going into the bye uh, based on where you started this season as a franchise. But holy cow, they've got a long way to go if they ever want to be top five in the power rankings like their fans were clamoring to be this week. This box score is jarring to me. Yeah. I think I just – I think I just – looked up at every other good Giants play because I felt like they were getting first downs in crucial situations, making crazy catches. They had some decent yak at points. I think I watched all six of their 16 converted third downs. <laughs> I it's, That's <laughs> not the showing I thought I watched on my television. <laughs> it, it, they do just have this like air of a competent football team that was so not there for the past five years, right? Like there is this Brian Dable sort of calmness on the team. And the defense really did play hard today. Um, I, I There was, we'll get into it in game balls as well, but there was a moment where the Giants made a crucial third down stop. Xavier McKinney makes a great play on the ball comes off the field celebrating with the team. And as he's celebrating on the sideline, they all look up and see that the Giants just muffed the punt and they have to go right back out there. That's sort of what this team is right now with no receiver options. And as great as Saquon has been this year, there are teams, teams are going to try to take him away as the Giants did today. You can't just give him the ball 20 times with stacked boxes because 58 yards just isn't going to cut it. Not when it's well, not when you're the only producing offensive player on your roster. Uh, that will certainly not do it. No, My sir. biggest takeaway of the week, I'm Jackson. I might be ready to say it. Uh, <laughs> it this isn't too definitive, but I'm. Are there any good quarterbacks in the class of 2021? <laughs> Well, if we were to power rank, let's 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 power rank them right now. The top five. Uh, we'll we'll throw Davis Mills out because Davis Mills. Uh, I saw a really great tweet about this, and I should pull it up. Um, sort of equating what each of these quarterbacks has become. Uh, but 
Davis Mills is just a walking tank at this point. He's he's just out there as a warm body. But the other five, why don't why don't you power rank them right now? Who you would most want going forward? So I'm also going to throw out Trey Lance because it's like you know it's <laughs> it's the mystery door. It it all looks good on paper. We haven't seen anything. Outside of a muddy game in Chicago, you throw away and then like three drives against the San Francisco team in mostly uh, like early game script. Uh, he is the mystery behind the door. And it could be <laughs> anything. It could even be a boat. Could be. Uh, it, Wilson's last. <laughs> Wilson's by far last. Uh, the thing is, it's all high volume with him. Mm. So it's like, like a stat line today of 20 for 41. Those are 355 because he has to. Uh, two GDs yeah, Caleb, the- did you know that today you witnessed Zach Wilson's first career 300-yard game? Yeah. Historic watched- moment. Jackson, I've watched all of Zach Wilson's games more than once. I need you to know that. <laughs> more than once. All of them. Sound- you sound like a unique kind of torture victim. Jackson, it's just not there. It's just not there. There maybe with a good offensive line and like all the pieces clicking, you have a quarterback that can run the small stuff, run the game script, and then hit you with the Mahomesian 60 yarders. What ends up happening is you get a pretty milk toast Patriots front seven with good pieces. I put Barmore was out. Uh no Duggar who is great as a robber safety off the blitz. None of that today. You got Judon and some Jags. We'll talk about the Jags. (laughs) But Wilson tries to just run around and make plays and throws them to the worst spots. (laughs) Just throws them them right to white jerseys. It's – I mean, tell me me about the atmosphere in the stadium today, Kel, when he threw the first McCourty interception because – from television standpoint, it was the most clear, like, just throw this ball 7,000 yards out of bounds I've ever seen. And he looked like he was trying to throw it out of bounds, but he didn't get it there. He just, just threw it in bounds. Like, I, I, I really think that's a matter of, like, young guys, I'm sort of, of, like, not those attention to details of, like, yeah, it'll get there. Like, no one's got to – like, what? He's going to come from all the way over there? Devin McCourty's been doing this for – you know, what feels like a lifetime, but it's been like a decade. Uh, Mac is right right in the wheelhouse, but for exact opposite reasons. Wilson's all or nothing. Wilson's hero ball. Mac is, Mac is white bread as it gets. It is. Those are your, those are your stable carbs. They're doing nothing for it. They're just giving you the energy to go. Like the Jets are, the Jets are a, Quarterback away from being a very competitive football team. The New England Patriots have so many question marks and just so first off, offensive line completely outmatched today. Uh that that Jets defensive front seven's electric. And it doesn't help that there was only one good Patriots lineman all day. Uh the backup center didn't help things, but like even Cole Strange, who's playing well and like holding his assignment have like three holding penalties too. So not really holding his assignment, I guess. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, Mac Jones, that interception off his back foot to a guy like the 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 third. It was a third down pass. It was third down or fourth down. Uh, they it's fourth down. Uh, they run play action, do it perfectly. Every the whole stadium thinks they've got Ramondre Stevenson swallowed up. Jones is booting out, sees a guy. There's one guy who stays home and kind of gets in his face. There's someone open in the flats for him. Easy first down. He takes the harder look over the middle of the field with a linebacker kind of right on him. So he's got to throw it behind him. He throws behind him three yards off his back foot, lofts it. No dice. The one interception, we'll never, you know, the guy guy got his arm hit. We'll never know where it went. The receiver was streaking downfield like he was open. It was a it was a really good look on a split between the single high safety and a trailing corner. So like the look was there if the ball didn't get hit and then it ends up being a layup. I just don't see it. Like unless they unless they start really opening up and being aggressive, I'd say five to ten times a game, which they maybe do like two to four. I don't see it. I don't see it with Jones. Lawrence is next just because I've seen the last year and a half of him. Like, there's good things in there. It's just going poorly. But, man, he's looked rough recently. Trevor Lawrence. London, too. They're going to be this. 5-20 and 20 career record. That is the worst among QBs drafted number one overall through 25 career starts in the common draft era. Number one. I'm actually, I'm actually going to move Lawrence to first because I'm <laughs> I'm I'm more optimistic on fields than I've ever been before in these last two games. But man, it's not uh, it's not always working, and I'm not allowing a two game sample size to cloud my judgment on what I saw in his first year and a half in the league. Yeah. Don't let it don't let it make you forget two weeks ago on Thursday night because the entire world had to bear witness to that in prime time. But that's the thing that like the design runs going eight for sixty with the score, longest to fifteen. That sets him up to be able to pass a little bit more. The passing hasn't always been there, but hey, he completed seventeen for twenty three. Like he is a he's a dainty bit of a baller when it comes to pass on the rock. And it just goes to show that uh, I listen. It was Justin Fields, no matter what. Very uh, ignorantly by me, uh, just going off gut and and minimal tape articles, and just trying to like really doing no real scouting, but trying to just read up blind gut call on Fields. This is the this is the Fields in two of his. You know, however many appearances is the fields I thought we'd be getting. So I'm pumped to at least see it, you know? Yeah. It would have seemed unthinkable at the start of the season. But would you trade Mac Jones for Justin Fields right now if you could? Yeah, I feel like I know your answer. I'd, I would have done it last year. Really? Oh, yeah. Because I wouldn't have done it to start this year, I'll be honest with you. And I wasn't expecting Mac to be some superstar, but he was legitimately good for – kind of the middle third of last year and unlike anything fields has shown us i mean when they were putting up 50 points 
on everybody they saw last year and were nine and four and the one seed in the AFC. I would have said you were crazy if you wanted any other rookie quarterback, but now things are obviously very different. It's the same, it's, you know, the same benefit of the doubt we give Trevor Lawrence by saying, come on, it's Urban Meyer. We didn't really give the Bears from Matt Nagy and the little tango, the tat-tat-tat we did with, uh, you know, putting Andy Dalton in, taking Andy Dalton out, putting Justin Fields in, taking Justin Fields out. And, and you know, we, we constantly talk about the weapons in Chicago and how lacking they are uh, for just trying to support Fields. But this is at least the play calling that's in place now. It works. It makes sense. I like it a lot. It's the first chance we've actually seen Justin Fields having at like being on a competitive football team, but they're sellers at the market. They're trying to get picks and they're trying to stay down, but at least we're getting a taste. We're getting a little, it's a little fix. (laughs) Well, we'll continue to monitor this absolute monstrosity at the moment of a QB class situation. I'm not going to call all of the quarterbacks a monstrosity, but the, the collective situation that they are all in, is highly befitting for Halloween weekend. We move on to <laughs> these uh, quarterbacks were spooky, Jack. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we move on to a bit of a preseason follow up. Uh, we predicted, especially Kale, that the AFC South would be absolute chaos. We were wrong, but we were also right because the NFC South is now absolute chaos. Failure, four and four, first place Atlanta Falcons. How are you feeling about them hosting a playoff game, potentially? I mean, they're fun. I don't start, you know, maybe I want to see Desmond Ritter. Uh, let's let's go crazy. Let's do the whole thing. Uh, good pieces on the defense. I'm shocked at how good this offensive line has gotten a complete turnaround for this Falcons O-line in the last two or so years even. All these receivers are fun. Uh, I keep forgetting that Kyle Pitts exists, and then – So have they. You know, once they pull me – they'll have me out and then, like, maybe pull me back in. Just a little tease. little tease to Kyle. Uh, Drake London. I Well – Cordero Patterson's still out, right? I, I know that's a fun dimension to their offense that can get added back. But also, Tyler Algier's pretty good as his replacement. It's good to have skill position players like that. He's been, I mean, I sort of take that back, Kale. I just read Tyler Algier's stat. I was line about to today. say, like, fourteen for thirty-nine. He had one nice carry for thirteen, and I guess that's the only one I watched because other than that, he was getting very bottled up. Uh, but the Falcons overall still ran the ball for 167 yards at a four and a half yards per clip. Somewhat respectable. Uh, I don't know what you say about Mariota at this point in the year. He's looked competent, uh, but I certainly wouldn't say he's looked good. Very uh, much I think gets he's, the job done. Yeah, you know? he's he's very much like you know, we, we talk about like quarterback, like competent being the enemy of good, good being the enemy of great. Um, Marcus Mariota is the enemy of all those things because he's playing just well enough to keep that job from Desmond Ritter, but not well enough to instill any real confidence in the football team. And I also just wanted to talk about this division as a whole, Kale. It's bananas right now. I mean, 
three and five bucks. 45-year-old Tom Brady coming off a divorce, looking angry on every single play. No offensive line. The New Orleans Saints winning in a shutout today. Who's the quarterback? Is it Andy Dalton? Is it Jameis? Is it Taysom Hill? Nobody really knows. And the two and six Carolina Panthers who came exactly one 15-yard helmet off unsportsmanlike conduct penalty away from being first place in this division uh, had they won that game today. Football's weird sometimes. <laughs> uh, also, by the way, before I get into this division, I do want to add about Mariota. We talk about, like, you know, just being competent enough. We'll see how these numbers update. But coming into this game, Mariota was 17th in DYAR and 15th in DVOA. Just the arbiter of average. Like, really, really just replacement-level play for these guys. Uh, slightly above technically because DVOA is positive 3.8, but he's right ballpark around zero. He's so league average, and it just works. It's just a nice filler as time goes on. But moving on to the rest of the division, I, as much as we said, we forget that Kyle Pitts exists. Uh, welcome to the NFL, Alvin Kamara, uh, for making his appearance uh, for the first time in the year 2021. Uh, at least in the end zone, uh, really, really making a splash there. Uh, we'll, I'm saving my talk on the Bucks because we're going to do a little elder recap. Uh, this Panthers team, I, I'm, a, I'm a Deontay Foreman fantasy adopter. I'm a, a P.J. Walker truther. <laughs> uh, they do just enough. It's... it's I'll say it every time I get on a mic and talk about Matt Rule. It did not need to take seven years to rebuild a team because the pieces you had were already here. I'm going to tell you what. Terrence Marshall, pretty good because we knew DJ Moore was good. DJ Moore, I mean, any fantasy manager would have told you that uh, DJ Moore can can win you some games even when the Panthers are 4-12. and 12. Uh, But Terrence Marshall... Really kind of, I mean, last couple games uh, in the absence of Robbie Anderson, the black cloud that he had over the offense, it's looked pretty good. I mean, especially today. Granted, only four catches on nine targets, and I think he had a drop in there. But 87 yards, long of 39. I mean, they've got pieces. Uh, they didn't have Chuba Hubbard. He's kind of their, like, red zone pounded in guy. But Foreman's just as good. Actually, that. Foreman's probably better at that. Chuba's probably their like down to down guy, but even still after a performance like today, I know the yards, but carry wasn't where you probably want it to be for RB one, but it's up there enough. For I me mean, <laughs> I'm not going to get mad at any 118 yard, three touchdown game. Even if the yards per carry is somewhat substandard. I'm just, I'm just saying Hubbard's probably not getting his job back. He's been a mainstay. Oh, no. He's been a mainstay in Carolina for so long. Uh, on this rookie contract, and he's just pretty pretty consistently underperformed. He's not getting his job back. That's Deontay Foreman's rock to carry now. But totally agree. It's it's they got pieces. They got pieces. I I'm now in a better place with this team. Obviously, because they've been winning against the Buccaneers, <laughs> and we'll talk about. But I feel better in the two games I've seen post rule than anything else. Just. Qual like decent football, you're doing the job. 
keep building the way you're building. I hope you don't trade DJ more. Hmm. Uh, just just for the sake of survivability over the next nine weeks. And you know what I liked? This is this is like a very small moment from today and says very little about what his NFL career has actually become. But Baker Mayfield, QB2 on this roster, lost his job, lost two jobs at this point, out on the field congratulating P.J. Walker after the insane throw he made to D.J. Moore. Now, if Eddie Pinero could make a kick, um, we can talk. We're going to get back to this entire play and head scratchers, but I like seeing Baker out there supporting the guy who, I mean, he's kind of taken his job. We don't know for sure if Baker gets the job back when he's fully healthy. I doubt it. Yeah, so – you know what? Even Good before, on him. Yeah, even before, uh, I don't know their interim. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> it is Steve it's Wilkes. Steve, I was gonna say, I was gonna say something Silks. I knew it was. Something <laughs> uh, I thought it was like Willie Silks. I don't know, uh, but it's really close uh, to Stevie Wilkes. Whatever, whatever. Uh, he, he had said early on that Baker was gonna have to earn his job back. Uh, P.J. Walker has earned every right to continue to be starter there. Um, in the bits and pieces of what I really saw from this game outside of the litany of highlights and news storylines, uh, I just am continuously impressed with P.J. Walker's play uh, in a couple of these games. Less, less mistake-free than it was a week ago, but still really good stuff from uh, the former XFL uh Signal caller turned, you know, NFL opportunist. Credit to Roger Sherman of The Ringer on this one. Uh, but in a span of three weeks, PJ Walker has had one game where he did not complete any passes more than one yard beyond the line of scrimmage. And according to the Next Gen Stats pass chart, the deepest pass in terms of air yards on record. So. What a 180 for old PJ, former XFL great. Sounds like a Russell Wilson offense. (laughs) Moving on right to that old man QB update you all were promised. Rodgers and Brady coming off another 0-2 week that also had, as we've discussed, some off-the-field drama, shall we say. Um, I don't know if the conversation's really changed much since last week. Rodgers did some pretty superhuman things tonight. Made some pretty awesome plays with absolute no-name receivers. Samari Torre coming into tonight with one career catch for four yards. Rodgers makes a completely insane touchdown throw to him uh, after evading a ton of pressure that would have been a lot more impressive if the Packers were not down 17. Uh, And another incredible pass to Romeo Dobbs. On the flip side, Tom Brady... Kind of just another week where the Bucks offense was stuck in neutral. Really low yards per attempt. Once again, didn't throw a pick. Nine, nine touchdowns, one pick on the season. It is the lowest ceiling we've ever seen out of a Brady offense, but he's also still not giving the ball away. So I don't know. Where do you where do you want to start the conversation here, Kale? It's it's as confusing as ever. It's just in the let how we turn this around for me. Because the the weird thing about Thursday night against Baltimore is everyone. Uh, I'm still a believer in this team turning it around. 
I've made that pretty readily clear. Uh, but it was so weird how automatic it was from a lot of NFL pundits. They lose in pretty rough fashion to Baltimore. And then every NFL pundit's like, yeah, man, it's crazy. This is going to be the team that wins the AFC South. Like, now we're getting a little too assumptive. I don't know. But I want to talk about how we approach dissecting these guys and breaking them down. The way we've talked about this conversation is twofold. We've addressed Brady's major uh, failures from other parts of his team, whether it's uh, injuries on his offensive line, an inept run game, some play calling stuff, uh, just like a run pass ratio thing. Uh, in a loss like the Panthers, it's their defense not tackling on top of injuries. Uh, they had a bunch of injuries against Baltimore as well. We're able to deflect a little bit more, and we're able to point directly to things that say, oh, we can fix this. In the case of the Packers, the talent disparities that we've been pointing out and the offensive line was, you know, Brady's able to adjust to a short offensive line because his pass game's always been really quick. And Rodgers, who likes to throw down deep, as we you know, clearly saw tonight, needs a little bit more time to develop his plays. It needs some good, damn good receivers to go up and get the ball. So the way we've talked about it is that between scheme and personnel, the Packers like are structurally unable to really adapt and get better. While Brady's, because he's Brady and his game is already pretty moldable, like we give him the benefit of the doubt. This week kind of changed that for me in the sense that Rodgers is seven years younger than Brady or six years younger than Brady. I don't know. But Rodgers can still hit those 40-yard deep shots downfield on a whim. Like, he can still make those amazing players. And like you said, like, the, the guys he's getting the ball to. <laughs> Samori Tourette, one catch for, what, you say four yards, one for 37 and a touchdown? Like, that's who he's getting balls to. He's a good elevator who can still elevate despite it not always work. And they started to lean on Jones and Dylan more. That's a run game they've been able to develop now that they've got a monicum of blocking and that there's just a Buffalo defense that, like I mentioned up top, still a little weak against the run, especially when they have their top two linebackers out. But Brady – Part of the thing that we thought could help save this team is now getting lost because, oh, you're starting to see Brady's 45 years old. He can't zip those short wrap balls in with the same velocity anymore. That takes away a small element of his offense. He at least can't throw to guys the same way he's been thrown to him for the last 20 years. And now there's a ceiling cap on what we think of this team. I think just having Rodgers alone raises the floor of things. They've got an uphill battle against Minnesota, but at least there's, like, a path forward. And, like, you know that you have a guy that can elevate people. It's a path forward for Tampa Bay. But I think it now falls more on, you know, a Byron Leftwich, on a Todd Bowles, on a, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that's been pretty banged up. Uh, on the skill position players, it's, you know, I think it's more just because – Brady is not in the same way able to elevate people. 
still playing very good football. He's still playing very mistake-free football. But it's not that Brady upside that we're used to. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's really kind of a wrench in all this is the the fall of the Tampa Bay coaching staff, at least their stock uh, from where we would have said it was after the Super Bowl with maybe the two hottest coordinators on the market that offseason to now head coach Todd Bowles and I guess you could say elevated role offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich after the departure of Bruce Arians. Uh, Bruce Aliens. Bruce Aliens. Uh, it has not worked at all. Uh, Todd Bowles has been like bad at all the things you can't be bad at as a head coach. Decision-making, uh, fourth down efficiency, the, the game that they literally blew on uh, not getting a two-point conversion off in time against the Green Bay Packers, ironically, uh, and, in, and then the offensive play calling. I mean, you can talk, you can chalk it up to Brady not being on the same page with guys. You can chalk it up to bad line play, but it's been really vanilla and bad uh, all season long. And these were two guys that really looked like they had kind of the world laid out in front of them after winning that Super Bowl. It's so weird that now I feel like I can default to, like, hey, the Packers can be salvaged if they go make one one acquisition, two acquisitions by Tuesday. I disagree. I I disagree. The defense is bad. I know the defense is bad, but they were able to get really good performances out of replacement-level players last year and call – you know, if Andre Campbell or Razul Douglas, like, call those drops in the bucket and you got lucky, you know, like, there's a reason they were all in free agency because they're not really that good to begin with. But you got them out of them at some point. You can do it again, potentially. You know, get an extra receiver. Honestly, trade for, like, the Justice Mosqueda thing is just been trade for MVS because it's what makes the most sense uh, just for what this offense needs. Uh, and now the page, or now the Chiefs have an extra wide receiver, but I don't think they're too far off. You know, they at least hung around with Buffalo. The score does not indicate performance, but they were right there. You know, they won the second half, 10 to three. They maybe have an extra piece or two. They can pull this one off. I don't know. Two two stupid Allen interceptions in the second half, though. I mean, we were, we were like one competent Bills touchdown drive away from this game being. 37 to 10 at one point as well. It almost got iced at halftime. Yeah. I, so I, I think the Packers are far. The, the defense kill six first round picks on this defense, plus another all pro from a season ago. And they're just not stopping anybody. <laughs> they're not stopping Taylor Heineke. They're not stopping Daniel Jones. We talked about Zach Wilson. So the fact that they kind of stopped him doesn't really do much for me. They couldn't stop Brees Hall though. They certainly couldn't stop him. This defense is in a very, very bad spot. Uh, And they were kind of like, we talked about it ourselves on the NFC preseason podcast. We said this Packers defense is the reason that we still like them a lot this year. They've really not shown up from any objective measure, from a DVOA, from a scoring, um, from like giving up fantasy points to tight ends, any of it. They've been really bad in every conceivable way. It hasn't been great. Yeah, I, I mean, they're still able to put up 400 yards, but when they're empty, when you put up 400 yards, 17 points, it's not great. 
No. And yeah, I mean, the offense, like, offense was, was just all running today. I mean, Rogers, we I, talked about that's how not a bad thing. Though. I no. know it's, I know it's Rogers, but it's not a bad thing. You get guys in the box, you get lighter boxes. It creates better situations for these lesser known receivers. Aaron Jones being a constant threat for this team to gash a defense is a huge deal and will likely affect how the Packers approach things going forward. I agree. I agree with that. But I will say, I mean, we talked a lot about how Rodgers elevated guys tonight. I mean, when you actually look at the box score, 19 of 30, 203, two touchdowns, a pick, a 20.4 QBR, like there's, there's still a lot to be desired from the passing game. And a lot of that comes from not having weapons. I'm not pinning that on Rodgers, except maybe the QBR stat, but there's not much going on in the passing game. But I mean, yeah, I get it. But Tampa Bay, like <laughs> back I, to them. I, that's another thing where it's like they've got two thousand yard receivers. They've got, you know, even still like highway robbery for Shaq Mason's two two really strong left hat or two really strong tackles. They should have the pieces at running back to make it work. Oh, Lenny's looked lethargic, but like you've got the pieces to make it work around Brady. Brady's not going to be able to hold things up around you anymore as as much. But like this is still a better football team than anyone else in the division. Hey, they need they need a tight end and they need one bad. I mean, they saw they saw what Isaiah likely did on the other sideline. And that's the second tight end on the Ravens. They don't have a first tight end who can do any of that stuff. I know Cameron Brate's been hurt. Cameron Brate's never been that guy. I mean, losing Gronk granted, he was maybe 85% Gronk in the past couple of years, but that was still, it cannot be overstated how big a loss that is for them. They're throwing to create a Madden player, a tight end. And it's not. Good. <laughs> hey Jackson. Uh, Kate, I, th- there's there's worse ones in there. I just don't have the names to pull up in front of me. Oh, wait, I do. Coquifed. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saving me on that. Hey, Jackson. Before we uh, before we pivot over to game balls, I, we kind of briefly talk Saints. Uh, I don't. Where do you stand on them? I feel like this is a team that we just haven't really talked about because they've been in such a weird spot, but they're they're hanging in there. Like, they just – an anomalous beat-up on the Raiders today. I'm they pinning find... all of that on the Raiders, Kale. I really am. I'm, I, I'm not I – want, I want to see the Saints do this for a few more weeks. I get it. I'm just saying that's another team where it's just like you've got a bunch of guys who are really good. Like, how many more teams can this game – like – are they in any sort of contention for this division, if only by the fault of the their rest of their co-contributors' efforts? Yes, but only because of those co-contributors' efforts. I mean, their, their Thursday night loss to Arizona was a defensive performance unlike anything I thought they were capable of in the worst way. Um, this week, they like obviously Dennis Allen gave them a little kick in the rear because they played great this week on defense. And I'll get back to their defense in game balls. But I, I simply I do not think I know this is the year of the weird quarterback, the weirdly efficient offense, all that. But I when you have this Andy Dalton, Jameis situation going on, I, I don't think that team emerges as any sort of legit playoff contender. But 
the Saints could absolutely win this division at eight and nine. I could still 100% see that. Oh, he hasn't. Oh, no, he has. Jackson, that is Mr. 21st in DVOA, Andy Dalton, to you. Not the not the best, but not the worst. I actually think <laughs> that's all you can ever say about Andy Dalton. It's not the best. It's definitely not the worst. Congrats. PJ Walker, PJ Walker's numbers are gonna kick up. Uh they're still really held back from that by that super screen game. Uh, but once they get kicked up, <laughs> Andy Dalton will be about league average and still somehow the worst in DVOA in his division which is a weird thing to say about the NFC South. P.J. Wakumanu only has a, a very small sample size. He is not in official rankings because he does not have over 105 pass attempts. But it's still just a funny little thing that they've got going on. I don't – I don't know what to make of them. I don't know what to make of any team in this division. It is all a very big mystery. I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons finish in last, despite the fact that they are currently at first. We've already talked too much about that's win-win, division. Jackson. You know that. That's well, a lot of things are win-win. Like, <laughs> like winning it, saying, that's the team that's that finishes the... last in this division probably gets their quarterback of the future next year. It's it's a it's a win-win all around. Well, they just have Desmond Ritter, who knows? Maybe they won't work with him. I don't know. But do you get the feel-good story that keeps Arthur Smith's offense around for an extra year and just this whole thing going, but you still get the actual capital you want to get guys to make the team better? Win, win, win. All right. No more delaying it. Get me to game balls. I want you to go first. Talk to me about an offensive game ball. Running, running offense is so much easier when you don't have to learn it on a red eye. Christian McCaffrey had a week with the playbook and is doing crazy, crazy things. Uh, this is from Stathead. He is the first person with a one pass touchdown, one receiving touchdown, one rushing touchdown since Damian Tomlinson did it in 2005. In total, he is the 11th person to do it, which sounds kind of surprising to me. Uh, I wish... Stathead also listed these positions next to them, which, oh, no, they do. Uh, one wide receiver, uh, mostly all running backs. A couple of fullbacks have done it, which is very surprising. <laughs> Love to know what era of football that's from. Uh, earlier than you th- – or later than you'd think. Mostly there's 180 in there, but it's a wide receiver. Uh, the rest are all 60s and earlier. Uh, one is also written down as uh, as LH for left half. Hmm. So that's how you know it's real old. Impressed. But just, I, I Jackson, is there a little, is there a little mini uniform award that we can give just solely Christian McCaffrey and how oh, good he looks in a absolutely you know, Absolutely. I, oh I my mean, God. It's gorgeous. Hell. Oh, it it fits him per it suits him perfectly, which makes it a hundred times weirder what we saw Christian McCaffrey wearing in the post game. I don't know if you saw that, Kale. I didn't. I missed. Those. He's he's wearing like a very tight but still very long, uh, white long sleeve with like tight khakis and black loafers. Somebody pointed out that it's the Moe's Shroot outfit, and it very much is. Very strange post game fit. <laughs> Electric. 
They're honestly that they could have had a uniform game. I went a different direction, but it was up there. The I've I've never seen the gold of San Francisco's helmet and pants glow like that. That was a crazy spectacle of a game. And hats off to McCaffrey for really, really making himself comfortable as the do-it-all man in San Francisco. No, he was he was everything you'd want him to be. Um must must hurt for Carolina fans to really see him be unlocked in his first full week with another team. I mean, I'm sure they have some fond memories of games where he did a lot of different stuff and different facets to the offense before too. But ah oh man, the the LT stat is just perfect because when have we seen somebody who can really do it all since LT? Like there have been a few guys, sure, but McCaffrey at his best. It was a nice reminder of why San Francisco thought it was worth trading the equivalent of a top five draft pick to get him. Cause boy, that was, that was an offense unlocked today. You can just see how much it lifts up Jimmy G uh, Brandon Ayuk getting involved. Debo Samuel can get back into this offense and be Debo Samuel at full health. I mean, they're going to be a scary sight. I'll let, I'll let you take yours in a sec. I just want to say that. I during these night ones, I usually watch the uh, NFL networks just daily recap and have it going in the background for plays and highlights. They've got the Rams Niners highlights playing right now. McCaffrey just glides, dude. It is, it, it looks so effortless when he runs the ball. It is just, it's really a sight to behold. Like, it's just truly how athletic this guy is. I mean, hats off. Like, it, it is. It's special watching him play football and knowing the track record of this team. I I'm knocking on every piece of wood. I'm hmm. you know, throwing salt over my shoulder. Please. I hope this man stays healthy because it's special what we're watching right now. I don't know what you can do more than you just did to try and maintain his health, but yes, like <laughs> it's, it's time for a full healthy Christian McCaffrey season capped off with the playoff run. My offensive game ball, honorable mention, Derrick Henry. We'll come back to him. Derrick Henry with his fourth straight 200-yard, two-plus TD game against the Texans. Nice, nice job. We've touched on him earlier in the show, but mine it has to be A.J. Brown. He just was the offense from the get-go. It was like everything he caught was in the end zone, it's not even like the numbers are that crazy save for the three touchdowns, but 156 yards on just six targets. I mean, that's like, he's just gashing the Steelers defense and all of the touchdowns coming in the first half, just putting the game away before it even began. And it just goes to show what weapons these guys can be when they're in the right offensive system with the right quarterback and a good run game and another at least good receiver around him because AJ Brown's getting single coverage a lot of the time. He's like, if you give AJ Brown single coverage, it's just an absolute wrap. And he's, he knows all the right spots to, you know, kind of lead the route and, and like box off the corner with one hip. So Jalen hurts has a perfect target to throw to in the back corner of the end zone. Like he's just such a technician in addition to the speed and the strength he has. But if you give that guy single coverage, there's literally no limit to what he can do in an offense. Uh, could this be a minigame ball to Howie Roseman? Because 
uh, just getting him in general and still keeping a first-round pick. I am, a- I am more than all right with that if they do not follow up on kind of the weird Twitter rumors I've seen that they're going to give up a first-round pick for Alvin Kamara. If they, if they keep their first-round pick and don't get Alvin Kamara, then Howie Roseman can get a game ball. Giving the Saints their pick back would be really funny, though. <laughs> I guess, but, like, have you learned nothing <laughs> from the roster you've built? Also, Miles Sanders is good, Kale. They don't need another running back. I know he's good, but, like, it's like, what if the Bills got Christian McCaffrey? Like, he, like more offensive weapons are never a bad thing. And also, uh, I, I think Aaron Schatz tweeted this out, uh, but in Football Outsider Sims, there is a one in 100 chance, or it happens one every 100 simulations, that the Eagles win the Super Bowl and also get the number one overall pick. Which that'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be sick. I don't have much else to say, but that'd be pretty sick. That'd be yeah. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what would happen in Philadelphia if let let's imagine a scenario, Kale, where the Phillies pull off this World Series run and the Eagles win the Super Bowl, and the Eagles get the number one overall draft pick. They're going to torch that city to the cement studs. It's it's going to be They'll be so epic. okay trading Joel Embiid out of town. It'll be great. <laughs> Absolutely. And the Flyers are second in the East right now. Everything coming up, Philly. Let's go defense. I'll just lead it off and get mine out of the way. We kind of touched on the team already. It's the New Orleans Saints. It's Tyron Matthew. Uh, for his four tackle, two pass deflection, one interception, one quarterback hit performance. But more so than Tyron Matthew, it's just the defense as a whole, keeping the Raiders from getting over midfield until their final drive. That is completely absurd. Uh, The Raiders on offense today, always fun to do uh, when team gets shut out, go through their drives. Punt, punt, turnover on downs, interception, punt, end of the half, punt, punt, game over. Uh, Mr. Is it Mark Andrews? Yeah, Mark Andrews has been having some, uh, some very choice conversations of increasing length uh, outside the locker room with Josh McDaniel after games recently. Uh, things are not going well in Vegas, but hats off to Matthew and hats off to the Saints. Can can like a tier four football team still make a statement win? I would say so. Also, did you see that the power went out right when McDaniels was making his opening statement during the press conference today? That pack of eggs. No. It was incredible. I mean, it was literally like it was a metaphor for the entire day. He started speaking, and all of a sudden, all light just went out. That's so funny. I wish I saw. I wish I saw that just to see a reaction. Because I don't know how. I don't know how McDaniel's would have even taken that. That's oh, he. So funny. He looked like the the saddest little puppy ever. He was like, I guess I should just start over then. <laughs> it was great. I'm trying to keep the composure too. Oh my god. Uh, maybe he'll fix Mac Jones. Who knows? Just come back home. Prodigal son. Oh. Speaking of the Patriots, my game ball is Devin McCourty. Uh, before I even begin, just anyone that was thinking about doing a little Elijah Moore watch this week. Uh, Elijah Moore. 
had fewer targets than Devin McCourty had interceptions. The pair of interceptions and especially the big return on one of them, massive for this team that really couldn't get much going at all offensively. Uh, even Mondre in a game that he was trying to be heavy, heavily relied on after not having a fantastic game against Chicago, had half of his yards on a 35-yard run and couldn't do much else regardless. This offensive line was not good. Mac Jones was not good. He got sacked six times. He made some bizarre throw decision. The one thing that kept them in this game was some pretty darn good return work and two clutch interceptions by Devin McCourty and also Jawan Bentley. But, man, Devin McCourty's been in this league forever, dude. It is crazy he is still playing at this good of a level. He's that guy. He's he's always been that guy. He's just Mr. Dependable, like underrated athleticism just because of how good of a scheme guy, how good of a leader he is, but also still absolutely top tier at the position in terms of his speed, his uh, ability to, to read a quarterback. I mean, he's he is what he is for a reason, and what he is is a three-time Super Bowl champ. I'm sure he's had all pro years as well. I, I don't have his pro football reference in front of me. I should. Uh, let me just get a moment to vamp because Devin McCourty uh, deserves his full resume kind of kind of put on display here. Uh, two-time pro bowler. I mean, what what more can you say about the guy? He's, he's very special. Two, uh, two, three-time. <laughs> three-time. I was going to say – what more can you say about the guy? Wait for this bench to load, buddy. I'll yeah. tell you. Three time All Pro, Cal. Uh, he, he's he's a special player. Matt uh, Matt Slater got honored today uh, as the Patriots player with the second most uh, special or second most games. Yeah. Uh, by Gee, Patriots. I wonder who number one is on that list, Cal. Wonder wonder why Bill Belichick didn't mention who number one is by name either in the post game speech about Matt Slater. Uh, you're in the locker room. You don't need to bring up old guys like that. <laughs> uh, but De- Devin's a special guy. He'll he'll make Patriots ring of honor for sure. Uh, he just means a lot to that organization as a leader, and especially on a uh, you know they've been aging for a while. But just this new influx of guys like you know even getting Adrian Phillips playing up to the level he's been playing at, getting top Kyle Duggar back involved, like all this stuff just means like. It's great to have a guy like that in the building. Yeah, it'd be really nice if the offense had any sort of explosive potential. But regardless, you knew the Patriots were going to come at Zach Wilson with all the smoke this week. Wouldn't have surprised me. I mean, I know we heard Bill Belichick's seven-minute press conference answer about the Bears, but wouldn't have surprised me if Bill just skipped right to the Jets game film and didn't watch any of the Bears last week because that is how much he cares about beating that organization that is now 13 straight Pats wins over the Jets. Uh, they have not won against the Patriots since the days of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Utter domination. Kale, special teams game ball. Lucky photo of the Arizona Cardinals. Because when you block a field goal with your face, you deserve recognition. <laughs> I well said. I don't I don't think there's anything more to say. You block a field goal with your face. Come on in, get your special teams game ball. 
Well, not everything needs to be a dissertation, Jackson. No. Short, sweet, to the point. That's perfect. I'm I'm very glad to hear. I'll be pretty short, sweet, to the point with mine as well because it's a joint game ball. It's uh, We're going to literally cut the football in half. It is Travis Homer and Will Disley of the Seattle Seahawks, two offensive cast-offs playing special teams. Travis Homer for forcing the fumble on Richie James and Will Disley for recovering it on it wasn't even a muffed punt it was a punt that was caught and Richie James began to return it when Travis Homer came in with the peanut Tillman punch and Will Disley falls on it and that's your game right there it was a seven point game the Giants could have gone down driven to tie it instead the Seahawks get the ball right back and they score a touchdown and that's your ball game special teams Kale, is it is it one eighth the DVOA pie? Have we have we discussed that on this show? Do special teams matter? I love pie. <laughs> we have a lot of pie in the next month or so. I'm going apple picking tomorrow, Kale. I'm gonna get some pie. That's great. I'm home for you, man. Let's go. Let's go. After I edit this podcast, of course. Let's do uniforms. Tell me something. There were a lot of good ones. I'm damn compelled to go San Francisco, LA, just watching watching those highlights and seeing how good they look. Uh, I'm gonna go Bills Packers because it just felt real good to like the Bills Blues. Now remind me of like Sonic the Hedgehog. Like they just look fast and mean in them. Uh, they've got attitude. They, I know they went all blues, and I'd prefer them go white pants, but still a great look. And Packers are the Packers. They're Unlike the Bears, timeless. Uh, <laughs> it, just a real strong uniform game under bright lights that can't go wrong. And when you hit, like, the big four on the color wheel, <laughs> red, yellow, green, blue. We've talked about this before. Yeah, it's it's literally the uh, either the, the giant parachute or the twister board. It's perfect. It's the, Yeah, it's the, the giant parachute. <laughs> That's a good pull. I like either of those. It felt good to watch. So it's not it's not either team's best go-to, but it, it all works together. So uniform for me. Yeah, I mean, I we don't have to go deep into it. I hate when the Bills go all blue just because it is like the, the unicolor look is rarely any good. The Saints do it way too often. Um, other teams like the Cardinals, I hate when they go all red. I hate when the Chiefs go all red, but regardless it was a top echelon uniform game for the week mine's gonna be uh the same team back-to-back weeks and and for the second straight week they weren't really the star of the show for me but just an excellent accent going Eagles Steelers uh the Steelers another team that are just timeless you can never go wrong with but the Eagles really look mean these days when they show up in their midnight greens at home. Like I've never been a huge fan of how much black there is in the Eagles uniforms, but when they're kind of the front runners and they wear these dark green uniforms with black accents and they've got Jason Kelsey in a Batman mask on the sideline and obnoxious Philly fans just making the game havoc for the opposing team. It's really something. I mean, it reminds me of, like the 2017 team before the Wentz injury when they were just the best team in the league. It reminds me of the dog mask. Uh, like they're just a, a fierce franchise and these uniforms match it. So I'm going to go Eagle Steelers this week. They're going to build some for years to come. And those things are iconic enough where 
I can't even name like a college team that uh, uh, USF. Never mind. Uh, close, close, but different accents. No, uh, yeah, I don't. Like, I don't give USF credit for that shade of green because first of all, they have gold, so that like kind of softens it. Like the midnight green and black, like that's that's very unique to me. I I was saying more that singular green because that stands out so much as Eagles to me. Yeah, uh, that just doing it in such an iconic uniform and the fact that you know, I'm, it's we're nine weeks into them having a good season. Let's not crown them yet. Yeah, it's but, the it's know. the wings on the helmet too. That's that's special. I I feel like every year when I see those helmets, it I like it more and more. That's like it's that's it's so- similar to the Rams horns where it's like it only works as a helmet decal. Like it's not a logo. It's literally just the helmet design, but it's perfect. The Chargers kind of doubles, is it? Although, where do you, th- I don't, let's not talk about the Chargers. Don't mind. I'm not going <laughs> to do this. We're going to get lost on it. Uniform pods are for the off season. Exactly. Exactly. We got too much to talk about. Head scratchers. It scratch my head. You scratch your head. Why you scratch your head first? Uh, Panthers, DJ Moore. <laughs> Last seconds of the game. Unreal touchdown. Takes his helmet off to celebrate. Hold on. 15-yard flag. Missed the field goal because of a question mark? 100%. I mean, Jackson pointed out earlier uh, to me off pod that uh, Diggs had a similar celebration for the Minnesota Miracle while the refs did make them come back on the field to do the extra point or two-point conversion. Uh, They did not assess a penalty to it. Just have some consistency. I don't think the helmet off is the biggest deal. Uh, I'd assume it doesn't – It's maybe it's health things, maybe it's stopping some bad actors in the sense of like, the no fun league doesn't want Chad Ochocinco doing doing popcorn sellies anymore. I don't. I don't. I don't know. It's dumb. I don't know why no helmets on the thing. It's I'm a dumb make, rule, Kale. It I'm is trying to make excuses, Jackson. I'll tell you what. Like, like best interest at heart. Yeah. Well, first of all, the the letter of the law says it's like a delay of game thing, which is just so ridiculous. Like, pick up the helmet and get off the field. Like, I don't. I. I know it's a rule and you can't do it because you know it's a rule. And if you know the rules, you shouldn't be breaking them. But it's a dumb flag. Guys do much more ridiculous stuff. Guys stand over defensive players and taunt them all the time. It's such yeah, a. Yeah, there are way more insulting line. things than taking your helmet off. While looking into the crowd, like he was looking for, you know, Panthers fans. Like he really wasn't trying to show anybody up. And he just made the catch of his life on the play of the season for the Panthers, but let's, let's further dissect this head scratcher, Kale, because it gets even better. They missed the 48 yard extra point after the ensuing 15 yard penalty. And everyone's saying, Oh man, DJ Moore, you just cost them the game in overtime. The Panthers get an interception, Marcus Mariota, take it way down into Falcons territory. Don't need to get a first down to kick a field goal. Eddie Panero comes out for a 33-yarder, misses that too, quite literally saying, hey, DJ Moore, it doesn't matter that you had that 15-yard penalty. I would have missed the extra point anyway. Panthers football, baby. 
Can't have nice things. <laughs> they really cannot. Although there's like a galaxy brain situation here where DJ Moore knows that throwing his helmet off in this situation is going to net him Bryce Young as his quarterback next year. And if that's the case, well played. Well played, sign, DJ Moore. Sign him up for that. All right, what's yours, bud? Uh, mine is um, – Kale. Did, did the Texans – did they have any – plan whatsoever to stop Derrick Henry today? Did they did they consider anything about this football game? Did they look across to the opposing sideline and see Malik Willis was making his first NFL start with top targets Robert Woods and Cody Hollister? Like who else who else did they have in that passing game today? Malik Willis Dick Westbrook Akinan. Yeah, I don't even know if he played. Malik Willis goes six for 10, 55 yards, no touchdowns, an interception. And not only you lose, but like it was never in doubt the outcome of that game. And you know, coming in like Derrick Henry gashes you every single time you play him, make an adjustment, do something. Cause he gets the ball 32 times for 219 yards Two touchdowns. So now he's played four straight games against Houston with at least 200-plus yards and at least two touchdowns. But you knew what you were up against, did you not? Like, put all 11 guys in the box and make Malik Willis do throw deep. Do something. Because it was literally like every time the Texans would punt another one away, which they were doing all day, they didn't achieve 100 total yards of offense until the last drive of the game. They kept punting it back, and it was like eight-yard Derrick Henry carry, six-yard Derrick Henry carry. Oh, now he just broke one for 18. Oh, now he just broke a 29-yarder for a touchdown. It was excruciating. I mean, props to Derrick Henry, obviously. Like, great. <laughs> when when the other team knows you're the guy who's getting the ball and you just punish them anyway, like, that is the sign that you are a great football player. But you cannot tell me – and. The Texans coming into the year, it was like every beat writer was saying, oh, they, they might not be as bad as you think. Uh, organizationally, they think they're heading in the right direction. But you just see the product on the field, and it is abysmal. I was of that camp in only the sense of they've got to have someone, right? Like, <laughs> they've got to do a little Maybe bit more. Maybe they don't. I don't know. It's like, you, you feel like a team of – that professional caliber will not have a ton of the guys has at least pieces, but I think we're also recognizing that like the NFL is pretty close together this year, but it doesn't mean that all that parity is good. And I think it's more just a couple of our contenders going down more toward the bottom of the barrel than being pretty consistently good. And maybe it's a bad, like the Texans hanging around in games is maybe a bad thing because they need, in my estimation, complete organizational overhaul, which they are kind of in the middle of, I suppose, with the Easter refiring, but not not in any good way. Um, it's really rough. Also, 68,400 people, Kale, still somehow showed up to this game. The Texans are drawing, like, above league average attendance. And I just feel for those fans, like – they were they were chanting "Let's go Astros" at this game. Like, go get ready for the Astros tomorrow. Don't don't go sit at a Texans game and watch Davis Mills bumble around for three hours. What are you doing with yourself? They need a good pregame. I guess. I guess that's, the Texans served that purpose. That's brutal. But anyway, I I digress. 
KL Monday Night Football is going to be interesting to say the least. The battle for Ohio. No Jamar Chase. Jacoby Brissett still starting at quarterback for the Cleveland Browns in danger of falling to two and six, despite having a better team DVOA coming into the week than the Minnesota Vikings. This podcast comes out before the game. So it is really just a preview. We don't have to go too deep into the matchup, but who do you like here? I like Cincinnati. I like them not missing Jamar Chase, despite his nebulous injury status. I like T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd absolutely eating. Maybe we get the emergence of another pass catcher in this offense as a consistent source of offense upon Chase's return. Best case scenario is the Bengals, while flawed, show that, hey, we can be the fourth best team in this league in a tier below these other three. Absolutely. And whether like it's extra defensive work, whether it's like just a, 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 taking a stride of a shot, like losing Jamar Chase and just immediately answering with, hey, we've got two more guys that are top 15 wide receivers in the league. And you know what helps? You're playing the Browns, who have the 28th ranked pass defense and the 27th ranked rush defense. So you should be able to pretty much do whatever you want to them. Probably a big Joe Mixon night as well while they're still adjusting and not having Chase in the offense. Joe Mixon, the classic, like, you feel as if he's doing nothing all game and then you look up and he's got 23 carries for 98 yards and two touchdowns. You're like, how did that happen? Joe Mixon, the Novocaine of football. Give him time. He always works. Should be a fun Monday night game. What are we looking forward to, Kale? We, we almost did kind of our mid-season pod, but now that there are 18 weeks in the regular season, week nine is really the mid-season point, and that is next week. So as we come to the close of the first half of the season, what are you looking forward to? You're putting me on the spot for long term. Uh, I'm excited to see more of this Bears offense. I'm excited to uh, have a fan or someone with steel ribs give Justin Herbert a rib cage uh, so he could play more football games. Uh, I'm excited to continue to watch this Jets team in spite of Zach Wilson. Uh, I'm excited to see uh, the back half league contender arise in each of the conferences because I know there are some teams that are bad, but at some point we just have to chalk up these wins and count them as what they are, and that's wins. Ugly or not, winning football is winning football. And at some point, I think someone's going to have a body of work that makes sense to say, like, I you're not touching Buffalo unless all the dice rolls your way. You're not, you know, you're unless you're going to give the Kansas City Chiefs hell and arrowhead, you're probably not beating them in the playoffs. But, hey, like, I'd like someone to emerge and say, like, well, we care about the 2022-2023 football season this year. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Just really make a statement. I, Jackson, I want to hear your uh, your long-term, uh, what you're looking forward to, but can I give you a what I'm looking forward to to week nine? Oh, I, I hope it's what I'm thinking of because I I have a game – double circled, underlined, starred, like everything I want in a one o'clock kick 
on a Sunday afternoon, this game has it all. But go ahead, you first. Minnesota Washington is going to be an awesome game. Oh, that's not I'm, it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you about the power of a dollar, Jackson. Oh, yeah. Tell me, what's what's the cheapest ticket on the market for next week? It's not the cheapest ticket, Jackson. It is the second cheapest ticket. Oh, uh, yes. We, what that we have, this is my you. double star underline special, special football game next week. For $34, Jackson, you can watch Vegas-Jacksonville, which is one of the saddest games on this roster. It is the cheapest game on this roster, and it's one of the saddest between the given two states of this team. If you are willing to pay $1 more and go up to $35, yes, you get to watch Chargers-Falcons. Yes. Kill. never have I been so sure in my entire life that a game is going to come down to something stupid on the last possible play. And one coach is going to be like uber close up shot, befuddled look on his face. I just don't know which it's going to be, but there is zero chance that Chargers Falcons is a normal football game. And I can't wait for it. It's it's sicko season on high alert. Oh. It is, this is going to be one of the, Five weirdest games we see this year. So Jackson, I did cut you off before. Uh, you know, we pivoted quickly. I do want to hear uh, just any any small hopes you have for the back half of the 2022 season. Oh, so many things, Kel. I hope that Patrick Mahomes, like – runs away with the MVP and continues to remind the world how good he is because I feel as though it sometimes gets lost in the shuffle with your Josh Allens and your upstart quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts. I would love to see just a burn the ships second half from Patrick Mahomes. Again, we're we're not actually at the halfway point yet, but we're we're getting there and we'll have more. We're looking forward to that. Yeah, <laughs> more more halfway point takeaways coming next week. Um, if there's one other game that I'm excited about next week, and this is silly, but maybe it's not. How about Dolphins at Bears? I mean, that's a that's a good little fealty test for your uh, Justin Fields game. I'm in a in a do it for science kind of way. I'm so curious about LA Tampa. Oh yeah, that's that's the weirdest game of the week. The the rematch you, of last year's which you that schedule rolls out in May, and you've pretty much got that circle. Yeah, like three and four versus three and five. Now, who would have thought what we've fallen? And just to top it off, the five and two Chiefs hosting the somehow five and two Titans on Sunday Night Football. Two teams with the same record, and yet the Chiefs are eleven point favorites. Aaron Walkiff, they can't keep getting away with They this. cannot, but they are. Uh, and they're running away with the AFC South, and they've beaten every team in that division, and it is just weird, wacky, wild. I. It's, it's almost chaos division, but not quite. No. The Titans are rising to the top <clears throat> of the chaos by being semi-competent, and it's, uh, I guess in a way it's comforting because at least we know that that division is uh, not going to fall into the hands of Satan himself. It's been quite the week. It's been quite the podcast. We've talked about it all. 
Kale's going to put some lotion on his face. Great work this week, buddy. Just give the folks some words of encouragement as they head into their week. Fireball and cider is the perfect fall beverage. Uh, it, I call it fall in a cup. It's great. <laughs> I recommend it. <laughs> and that's your drink tip of the week for Kale. He's talked about Baja Blast in Malibu in the late summer. Now he's giving you another cheap alcohol with a mixer. This, this weekend fall. is the first is the first weekend since Labor Day that I've drank. And like <laughs> the only two tips I've given are alcohol related. I can't. I've got to change. I'll, I'm going to come with a book recommendation next week. All right, but I I, I suspect by Christmas time they'll be telling us some sort of. Uh, peppermint schnapps infusion in fact i've had your peppermint schnapps infusion with hot chocolate before kale so i know that's coming that's just that's just schnapps and chocolate <laughs> that's new. you know we could be doing haircuts this time of that time of <laughs> great get you lean back in the barber's chair doing creme de menthe and chocolate syrup with whipped cream topper what a week for kale i am jackson we will see you next tuesday